there and welcome back to Eclectish, the podcast. I'm your host, M, and today I'm going to be talking about the seven initial epochs of human evolution. Originally channelized and recited by Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, who was the co-founder of the Theosophical Society from 1875. So, grab a warm blanket, a warm beverage, and a bite to eat as we explore another theory of evolution through the eyes of such an enigmatic woman. Comfortable? Well, let's get into it. Now, who was Elena Petrovna Blavatsky? Now, to get understanding as to how all of this came to be, we have to take a look at how Helena Blavatsky was and how she came across such information. I'm going to keep her life story quite brief as a means to not make the episode too long and tedious. Now, she was born on the 12th of August, 1831, and died the 8th of May, 1891. She was a Russian occultist. Now, at the age of 17, she actually married and then she divorced. Then she married a second time and she also divorced. In 1875, Blavatsky and another man called Henry Steele Olcott actually established a research and a publishing institute called the Theosophical Society. Now, Blavatsky defined theosophy as the, and I quote, the archaic wisdom religion, the esoteric doctrine once known in every ancient country having claims to civilization. Now, this woman was extremely smart. She traveled worldwide and wrote books about the occult, including the very famous Isis Unveiled and The Secret of Doctrine. Now, the Theosophical Society had actually had a lot of influence when it came to Buddhist culture in a more so modern way. It also helped to reform a lot of Hindu movements and the spread of those modernized versions, I guess you could call them, in the West. Now, Blavatsky was actually important in the Western transmission and the revival of the Theravada Buddhism, mainly. She also worked with ascended masters such as Count Saint Germain, amongst others. She basically uh, created the foundation of what we would call now theosophy. That's how short I'm going to keep it because she's a very interesting woman, but I would like to make an episode for the next season. Now, onto the seven root races and how they functioned. Now, to paint a clear picture of how everything works, there are actually seven races in total. By races, they actually mean epochs or eras, I guess you could say. They said races mainly because of the physical state of such beings. Now, in total, there are seven different epochs, yet each epoch slash race also divides or splits up into seven subcategories or quote-unquote sub-races that make up what we now refer to as human evolution. Now, we're going to go race by race or epoch by epoch individually and then also talk about their sub-races before jumping to the next one. Now, the oldest or the first so-called race or epoch we're going to be talking about is none other than the Polarians. The height and appearance is mainly unknown, mainly because of their composition, since they were made up of pretty much etheric matter. This was because they were still pretty much in the first few steps of evolution and were attempting to begin a life on Gaia. However, at that particular stage, if they had materialized, the probability of life would have been near impossible. At that moment in time, it is believed that Earth was actually still cooling from its own creation and molding itself. Now, once it had begun to cool down and begin to take form, it is believed that the first thing to appear physically was none other than Mount Meru and it arose of the primeval ocean. 
That's why they were primarily ethereal or spiritual more than physical, which is why they didn't leave any sort of evidence of life here, and so there haven't been any physical remains found so far. Not only that, but also because they were in pretty much the first few stages of evolution as a whole, not just human evolution. It is also said that most humans, if not all, in prior lifetimes, they went through all the phases. Now, the first one would be reincarnated in the mineral kingdom, so you could be pretty much a mineral. It's just to give you an idea. Now, the Hyperboreans, in ancient Greece, they were actually described as mythical people who lived in the far northern part of the known world. This is because of the etymology mainly, meaning, quote-unquote, pertaining to the region's of the far north. Now this second race in particular was actually just the continuation of the first. It was the first to actually begin to somewhat materialize or have physical form on the earth plane, but it achieved it quite slowly since their appearance was actually mostly semi-astral. Their bodies are also said to have been almost gelatin-like or filamentoid in nature and grew more and more dense and compact every few thousand years. What's really interesting though was actually even though they had begun to grow or evolve into humans or the first body layers of humans such as hair and teeth, they also apparently went more to the hybrid side of things at one point, eventually even going as far as trying several different animals animal forms or animal parts etc. That is until pretty much the third root race you know. This particular race was actually already pretty unusual. The coolest part was actually the fact that the ancient Greeks thought that the descendants were actually people from these several places. Northern Canada, Greenland, Iceland, Scandinavia, Northern Asia and Kamchatka. It is said that these people were to be or eventually become the civilization referred to as the golden skinned people. It is believed that this was the case mainly because at the time in that particular area of the globe it was actually more of a tropic location surprisingly. This is because supposedly the earth hadn't developed an axis tilt yet at the time. Now onto the third root race, the Lemurians. Now the Lemurians supposedly originated in the continent of Lemuria or Mu as they used to refer to it as. However, this continent is rumored to have sat near or have been a very big part of the Indian Ocean, going through Australia and eventually ending up in the South Pacific Ocean. It is said that their modern day descendants would actually be people from New Guinea, Madagascar Island and the people of Rapa Nui aka Easter Island. Um, another theory is that they were actually from or part of the rumored supercontinent of Godzwana. Now the people of this particular race were described as three-eyed giants aka ancient cyclops and were extremely tall which makes sense for the environment they had actually experienced because supposedly they coexisted with the dinosaurs around 34 million years ago which in turn would also explain the way they reproduced completely, since the first three of the sub-races of the Lemurians actually reproduced and laid eggs. Yeah, I know, really creepy. But by the fourth sub-race of the Lemurians, which should have probably been around 16 million years ago, supposedly, um, they had actually begun to reproduce like modern-day humans. However, they eventually were forced to migrate and start anew, mainly in Africa, southern India and the East Indies, mainly because of constant volcanic activity that eventually caused so much damage that the Lemurian continent completely sank, officially marking the fall of the Lemurian race as a whole. However, their descendants were the Capoid race, the Congoid race, the Astroloid race, and last but certainly not least, the Dravidians. Now this race was also 
are very much in tune with their psychic and spiritual abilities and use these for things such as healing, studying minerals, studying the animal kingdom, and even building bridges between continents, mainly because of their studies on tectonic plates and predictions on land movement. Now, onto the descendants of the Lemurians' fourth sub-race, none other than the famous Atlanteans. Now, the Atlanteans differed in what sense? The Atlanteans kind of had two phases. We're going to begin with the prototype. Now, the Atlantean prototypes actually came into existence after the ancestors that initially had been Lemurian migrated near Africa and proceeded to now birth the start of what we would refer to as the Atlantean race. Officially now having created and inhabited pretty much the continent of Atlantis, which we discussed in great detail in the last episode, this fourth root race began to take shape quickly and actually because of their migration, their features had slowly but surely began to change according to the climate there and also because of the next few steps of evolution. Now they're described as mainly being bronze-skinned and having white hair, very prominent features such as blue eyes and large lips. They eventually also broke apart and migrated to places such as North America, Asia and eventually the Mediterranean. Because of this, they actually then created seven sub-races, which were called number one, the Mahal race, were actually described as mahogany black-skinned, 10 to 12 feet tall in height, and actually lived on what we now call the Ashanti coast. They were actually just the beginning of the Atlantean race, I guess, or the prototypes, and were actually present for the end of the seventh Lemurian sub-race. They actually even went as far as going to war with them, actually, and taking over their territory. Sadly, they also went as far as hunting and enslaving the last few generations of the Lemurians, causing not only trauma in their DNA, but also a certain level of impurity, since the enslaved Lemurians were now forced to mix and were in some instances sexually abused, causing large generational trauma and also mixing of races, which in turn actually led to their descendants changing in melanin and becoming way fairer and fairer. Um, another big part was also the environmental differences, which also had a big impact on their outward appearance. Now the second subrace of the Atlanteans would be the Tlavati or the Cro-Magnons. These mainly actually resided on the west of Atlantis. This subrace was actually mainly described as red slash brown skinned and were very hard in nature, often inhabiting mountains and setting up base in pretty much right in the middle of the continent. They also began to migrate leading to the mixing of the Tlavati race and the Toltecs. Now number three, the Toltecs. A term which, you know, theosophists use as a synonym for the Atlantean ancestors of the American Indians. Now, these in particular were described as being red copper skinned and approximately eight feet tall in height. So still technically giants. Probably the most advanced race so far, they essentially ruled and inhabited pretty much the entire continent, bringing great wealth and prosperity to the entirety of the continent and its people. Not to mention a lot of advancements in terms of technology as we previously discussed in the last episode. They essentially were the founders of the Golden Age of Atlantis and went as far as ruling in parts of Mexico and Peru. However, they were then challenged by the Aztecs from the north and began to have a little bit of warfare between them. They also were very good at politics and extending their territory across the continent, eventually being able to comfortably lead the entire continent in their bases, which were actually built in the east 
later on. Now onto the fourth subrace, the Turanians. These mainly inhabited the east of the continent, but were great at colonization, essentially lead into their growth and expansion across it. Despite their hold over a lot of territory, surprisingly, they really weren't into controlling or power games and struggles, and actually were very much open to sharing and overall growth. Number five, the original Semites or the Phoenicians. These mainly inhabited the northeastern peninsula, aka modern-day Scotland, Ireland, and the surrounding area and seas. Even though this particular subrace was to be one of the most powerful ones, eventually in time, they actually had a very slow start in their growth. This is this is because mainly they stayed in the same area, despite the threats and aggressive attacks from their neighbors, the Arcadians not to mention the harassment from the southern kings. They're also often described as a very much discontented race, always at war with other people over land. However, I guess this provocation worked because they decided to venture out later on, explore and expand their territory too. Now onto the sixth sub-race, the Akkadians. Now, these were essentially the generation to rebuild Atlantis since they were a byproduct of the first deluge. However, they did it quite successfully. It actually took its rise in the land of the east of Atlantis, about the middle of the Great Peninsula, whose southeastern extremity stretched out towards the old continent. However, they didn't stay there for long since they didn't confine themselves to that particular land or the land of their birth per se. But they actually overran and went on to diminish the continent of Atlantis. They actually fought with the Semites in many battles, both on land and on the sea. And um, and finally, about 100,000 years ago, they actually completely vanquished the Semites. And from that time onwards, the Akkadian dynasty was set up in the old Semite capital and ruled the country wisely for several hundred years. They were actually very good at trading, seagoing, colonizing, and they established many centers of communication with distant lands. Onto the seventh subrace, the Mongolians, which actually migrated to and colonized Central Asia, East Asia, and Southeast Asia. The Mongolians, or the seventh subrace, seems to be the only one that had absolutely no touch with the mother continent, having its origin on the plains of Tartary, which was in the east. It was actually directly developed from the descendants of the Turanian race, which gradually supplanted over the greater part of Asia. Now, this subrace in particular multiplied a lot. And even at the present day, a majority of the Earth's inhabitants technically belong to this subrace, though many of its divisions are also deeply coloured with the blood of the earlier races as to be scarcely distinguishable from them. So essentially, the Atlanteans had a very large influence in the evolution of humans, and not only that, but also played a very much important role when it comes to human evolution and behaviour and psyche that we can pretty much bear witness to on display to this day. Now, after the battle between between the Atlanteans and the Aryans, of course, which we were a witness to in the last episode. After the Aryans had essentially caused the fall of the continent, the last few survivors actually migrated and produced the seven subraces, which we are most familiar with in this particular cycle in time. Now, these were number one, the Hindus, becoming essentially the pillars for spiritual beliefs, evolution, technology, and ascension tools, not to mention connection to masters. Number two, the Sumerians. Innovators in languages, poetry, architecture, and astronomy, also introducing a completely different type of pantheon of gods and goddesses. Number three, the Egyptians, creating one of the best mathematic systems, 
changing the way we utilize agriculture, not to mention being the originators of the process of mummification. Number four, the Hellenes or the Greeks and Romans. They actually created huge advancements when it came to art and philosophy and architecture. And of course, the beginning of the city-state or polis, as they used to call it. Number five, the Europeans, now mainly known for their architecture, art and advancements in commerce. Okay, now number six and seven were actually not there yet. Um, this is mainly just theory, plain theory at this point. By the time we get to the next cycle, it's going to take a few thousand years, so don't fret. Number six would be Nova Men. Now, according to the Theosophical Society, the sixth race would be a colony which would be established in Bejo, California, and would actually be guided by the masters of the ancient wisdom. In the 28th century for the intensive and very much selective breeding of the sixth root race now the master moria which we could actually do an episode on would technically physically incarnate once again in order to be the manu or the progenitor of this new root race by that time the world would be technically powered by nuclear power and there would be a single world government led by one person who is rumored to be the reincarnation of Julius Caesar. Now, tens of thousands of years in the future, a new continent supposedly will arise in the Pacific Ocean, and it will be the future home of the sixth root race. Now, it would be on the west of San Andreas Fault, which is in California. It would break off from the mainland of North America and then become the island of California, off to the eastern coast of the new continent. And number seven, which would actually be our descendants, it would be the indigo children and star children. In turn, it would be the final race cycle of Gaia. Now, this particular race would now be residing in a whole new continent, essentially, and be the last stepping stone into the next phase of evolution, which would actually no longer take part here on Earth, but rather it would move on to Saturn. Now, this race in particular would be completely empty of low vibrational energies, unnecessary dualities, and pretty much free from any type of spiritual hindrance, such as issues with reproduction, differences in reproduction systems, any type of health ailments, since essentially by that era, we would have gone back to our spiritual origins in the sense that we would be rid of human vessels in its entirety, meaning that any type of conception or birth would be purely spiritual. Now, it is believed that in the last year Universal cycle we had initially completed was actually on the planet Mars, which I guess would explain why Elon Musk is so obsessed with it, but who knows. It is also believed that on Saturn things would differ in the sense of physicality. It would be less so-called material and consciousness and the average level of consciousness would be extended for way longer. Also, humanity would probably possess etheric vision by that time. Not only that, but be also extremely spiritual aware of things such as low vibrational emotions, dishonorable acts and and karmic cycles, which would be non-existent. However, it is estimated that this will mainly take place in a few million years, so don't get overwhelmed, that's just how it is. And that would be actually the end of the seven root races. That was a very short and sweet episode, I hope you all enjoyed it, and I hope you come back for the next one. I am wishing you all a wonderful week ahead, filled with blessings and love, good luck, and goodbye.